Hello, one and all. Welcome to the podcast. It's the holiday season, and we have our special bonus holiday episode today. I'm coming at you from my home in Lincoln, Nebraska. It's about the third Sunday of Advent, approximately. I think the, the third day or evening of Hanukkah is upon us. By the time this is out, maybe the fourth day of Hanukkah will be, will be upon us. So, um, festive time for everybody. First off, we've done this podcast for six months, 30 episodes. Thank you all for listening, your support. I appreciate it. We've kept it going. I mean, we're going to end this season two here the way we began. Not, no, not with Tim Sharp, my extremely popular guest, but with Danny Williams and Frank Albinder, our second most popular guests of the season. And as a, as a bonus, a third mystery guest who we'll reveal later for, yeah, that's a mystery. So first, hello, Frank. How are you? Hi, Steve. I am doing great. How about you? I'm doing well. Do you still live in Washington, D.C., Frank? Has that changed? I do. And in this almost mid-December, it's about 65 degrees here, which is a little bit crazy, but I am not complaining since I'm from Los Angeles originally, and I'm used to warm weather. Danny Williams is here. Hi, Dan. Hi, Steve. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you. Are you coming to us from Bangor, Maine? Orno, Maine, excuse me. Orno. Orno. That's right. Yes, we're coming to Orno. It's not 65 degrees here. There is a uh, oh, an inch or so of crusty snow on the ground, and uh, we're expecting a little bit more. But uh, for the 12th of December, that's about right. That sounds good. Yeah, we had our first snowfall yesterday evening, about a couple inches on the ground. It looks like Christmas. looks like winter now, so we're getting ready, ready for that. Super. Nice to see you again, Dan. Dan, good to be I, here. See, I see someone there with you. If I don't, I'm not sure, but I think that's Emily Kane. Is that is that true? It's me, Stevie. It's me. I'm glad Aww. to be here. But thank you for being on the show, Emily. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here and happy to looking forward to talking about the holidays. Yes, we love the holidays. Now, Emily, Emily, um, is, do you mind if I share? You are married to Danny Williams. Is that true? Oh, you you want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. I am. In fact, we've been married for uh, 16 and a half years, just about. Yes. So you Frank, were there. I, I was there. It was beautiful. Um, my daughter turned one or was the, on the eve of turning one. She's she, your wedding must be on the 15th because her birthday is on the 14th. That's how I remember. That's and at right. the rehearsal dinner, they all got around Frank and they sang happy birthday in barbershop style. I don't know if I was singing too, but it was beautiful because she just turned one and we were in Kennebunk, Maine. It was nice. The rest is a little foggy, but I always remember the rehearsal dinner. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. All right. So the holidays, I love the holidays. I've been talking about the hall. I love this, this, this little, um, I don't know what the word is. It's like, it's like a, it's not a race. It's not a, it's not a difficult uh, obstacle course, but it's a, a sequence of events from October 31st, Halloween. Then we bang right through November and Thanksgiving. And then we just really bring it home in December with Hanukkah and Christmas. And I go to church, so it's Advent too. This little trifecta, this little two-month little span of the holidays. I love it. We've talked a lot about the holidays, every angle of the holidays on the podcast. Well, I was just thinking about how this year in COVID times, what I've noticed, and us included, is that um, people are getting into the holidays way earlier than usual. They, you know, you hear people about putting people, people putting up 
Christmas decorations right after Halloween or, or even on Halloween. I mean, we have a tree that we light in front of our house. It's the earliest we've ever turned it on, I think. Uh, we had it prepped, we got, we got it ready in August, I think when we had our, we had fixed the lights and we had it turned on, you know, right around Thanksgiving. Um, I think people need the holidays more emotionally this year, something to look forward to in a, in a year that it's been, things to look forward to have been taken away from us largely. And the holidays give that opportunity. Indeed. Yes, Dan. I will say that on, uh, on a call the other day with my staff uh, at the end of the, at, in the business portion of the meeting, we were talking about, uh, they were talking about how they have gone to the stores and, they, and the shelves are, are bare. They can't, the Christmas lights are gone, the uh, inflatables are gone, like everything is gone. And I, you know, the, the home, uh, home Depot and Lowe's, they start their uh, uh, displays, you know, after, after Labor Day. And it seemed ridiculous, but not so much this year. I mean, there seems to be a, a real push for all things uh, holiday this year. Well, I remember in the summer, people started putting up decorations for any holiday. And I actually thought about getting out all of my stuff in July because there was an article in the Washington Post, I believe, that said people just needed a lift. And so folks were decking their halls. So I went out into my backyard where I have a, a derelict hot tub. Uh, it came with the house. When I had it working, I almost never used it because it's too cold to go outside in the winter and too hot in the summer. So when the rats chewed through the water hose and all the water drained out, I used it to store all of my inflatables. And I went out to find my Halloween inflatable and discovered the hot tub was filled with water. All the inflatables had taken on massive quantities and I couldn't even lift all of them out of the water flogged hot tub. And I still don't know why it's full of water because the drain is open. So I had to do an emergency run. My turkey for Thanksgiving sort of offed himself in the, in the water. And I was able to get an emergency delivery and got an inflatable up for Thanksgiving. And now I have one up for Hanukkah and he will be replaced by one for Christmas eventually. Yes, your, your Hanukkah inflatable, to be clear, is a, is a bear holding a dreidel. It's true, and a friend of mine pointed out that it looks just like a Winnie the Pooh inflatable, except instead of the pot of honey, he's holding a dreidel. And so, of course, I Googled it and found that it is almost exactly the same position and shape. So I bet a factory was quickly retooled, but bears don't have anything to do with Hanukkah that I know of. Danny, do you know of anything? I don't. But I, uh, uh, I have a question, Steve, going back to your earlier comment. Do you consider Halloween, A, a holiday, and B, if so, the start of the holiday season? Well, yes. To both. It's like Halloween through New Year's Eve, right? We get a little candy. We, we get, it's not a big meal. It's not a big to-do, but we start like eating becomes like, okay. Like you can eat candy. It's cool. <laughs> then we sit down, we have Thanksgiving. Then we sort of take a break and like have, uh, you know, Christmas, two big ones in the middle. And then a little bit of more drinking oriented New Year's Eve. It's not like a big eating holiday. New Year's Day is a tradition in my house. We used to have a big meal as well. So yeah, the eating season, I like to call it. Right. Uh, October 31st to New Year's Day. Eating without guilt 
and then I'm, I'm learning in my later years just to live with live that live that way throughout the year you know but the eating season i want to go back to what emily kane was saying at one point because emily i agree with you we need a little christmas i think right this very minute you know we need a little christmas now now right right we all know that song jerry herman composed that song from mame Frank, please don't don't pretend you. Do. I I was just kidding. Of course I know. Of course it. you do. Many of the great Christmas songs uh, from the 20th century that became popular were written by Jews, yeah. coincidentally yeah. and ironically. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure in the context of the show that it was actually Christmas. I think Auntie Mame was feeling sad, and in order to, like we alluded to earlier, it was a hard time. And then they like you know put some Christmas decorations up and uh, and did that. If I remember correctly, we were we were we were taken to Mame in um 11th grade the national honor society i was in limburg high school we went to go see mame you guys like em- emily's a little little bit of a different generation but you guys would go see cats or wicked i'm sure wicked or something like that but we went to see Mame. well uh, stevie as you may or may not remember i lived in new jersey from age 9 to 18 and so we were a bus ride away from the city yeah. and the drama club would a couple times a year for $25 a kid, you, we'd, we'd get on a school bus, drive to New York City, go to an Italian restaurant near the theater district, all of us. Um, to me, it was the greatest Italian food I'd ever had. I have no idea whether it was or not. And we'd go see a show. And so yeah. I was very lucky as a young kid to get to see you know, two to three shows a year with my school for $25 because of uh, what they did for for outreach in the whole tri-state region and sure. so yeah I, I never got to see mame but i did get to see a lot of great shows and Room actually one... going to new york city is a great example of something people some people look forward to in the holidays the iconic store windows right the lights the the way you can uh, think about the rockettes you know and what you see now you see them on tv now but for a lot of families, a trip to New York at the holidays, it, it's just something you can never forget. It's like nothing else in the world. You are, you are correct. We did that later in life after I was married and had kids. We'd go see my mom upstate, take the train down, spend the day just walking and looking, go see the tree in Rockefeller Center, go ice skating, eat pizza, bagel, pretzel. You need the trifecta, pizza, bagel, pretzel, pretzel or anything on the street, street meat. See, the street meat is a little more scary. So we, we, we uh, sort of came to a, a, a consensus that we do a pretzel from the wagon rather than a hot dog sitting in the water for a very long time. But um, the pretzel is better. Yes, the holiday season. Let's get right to it. What do you do or what, Frank, to celebrate the holidays? Happy Hanukkah. Well, when I was little, um, I was raised by a single parent, and my mother was the child of Orthodox Jews from Brooklyn, who had escaped from Russia during the revolution. And so while my friends had Hanukkah bushes or Christmas trees, we were more modest. And as you know, Hanukkah is a very minor holiday in the pantheon of Jewish holidays. But over the years, it became important because you know, the idea of giving kids eight days worth of presents was economically appealing to the retail trade. So we very modestly celebrated Hanukkah. Um, and it wasn't until I was a grown up that I could have my own Christmas tree. I was very excited. And so I'm thinking this year of leaving my Christmas tree up all year and just changing ornaments depending on what the holiday is. Mm 
because I like it. And for the last few years, I've been sad and busy uh, and I haven't put up really anything. And so this year, not only have I put up stuff, but I've gotten new stuff. So as Emily pointed out, it's like, we're buying out the stores. Danny's right, I was at Target yesterday. The shelves are bare. And um, I don't know, it just makes me feel good, but I don't associate anything religious with any of it, of course. Yeah. And for me, it's just more kitsch. Frank, and you're not alone, even in Christendom, you know, we have the C's and E's, the people go twice a year to church. And then we have people who it's purely Christian by name, who it's, it's a Christmas tree. It's a, it's a non-religious holiday. So you celebrating the season, December 25th, the winter solstice. There's no shame in that, Frank. There's, there's no shame in that. I'm glad, I'm glad you find joy in that season. Daniel, let's just say before you met Emily, what did you do? How did you so, yeah, here we go. Yeah, so bef- uh, as a kid, we celebrated uh, we celebrated Hanukkah. We we grew up in a Jewish household, and so for the kids, it was a big deal. Um, Christmas for us was, uh, you know, we liked to go. We as a family, we, we used to drive around and look at the lights. Um, that was that was fun. Um, but uh, around the holidays and Christmas, I remember we used to always watch our family movies. We had a movie night and had popcorn, but it, we didn't. We didn't celebrate Christmas per se. Um, it was just a sort of another day for us. As I got older, uh, I and before I got married, I traveled, uh, and I and I would always say the best time of uh, the best day of the year to travel is Christmas Day and New Year's Day. And often I would do that, um, and it was easy peasy, and I would go see friends. You are correct, Dan. Um, you know, I'd work. Christmas Eve is the big is the big service for the for the Christian dome. It's not really Christmas Day, um, maybe a service in the morning, and then we'd go see my in laws on Christmas Day. Get in the car, nine o'clock after church is over, and drive to Texas. And easy, and we feel like rebels because we're eating like pizza at a gas station or eating our little sandwiches. Um, so we really feel like all these people are sitting around eating turkeys and hams, and we're you know we're pounding a bad hot dog and some beef jerky at those rest stop in Oklahoma. Emily, before you were married? Well, you know, for us, holidays, uh, it's a big time of year. So uh, with our family, when, when I was very little, when we lived uh, outside of Chicago, Christmas Eve uh, was always, there would be things with other families or with, with um, relatives. But for my parents, uh, Christmas, Christmas Eve always for us had to be at home. So people could come see us, but Christmas Eve, we were always home and together. Christmas day, we might drive to see my grandparents or there might be other people involved, but really it was, I can only really remember one time as a kid that we drove to Texas and we were with my grandparents on Christmas Eve. But every other time, it was really a a night where we were hunkered down at home and my, my dad would usually cook a, you know, a big dinner and we would just be together. Um, and yep. that, so that's sort of the steady piece. But as we got older, my, my parents moved um, and we moved from Illinois to New Jersey. And in New Jersey, we started a fun tradition of neighborhood caroling. Uh, mm-hmm. And my mom and my sisters and I, we made a songbook and we invited other neighbors. And one of our neighbors, uh, Mr. Bachelor, Kevin's his first name, he would bring a candelabra and try to keep it lit while we would carol around the neighborhood 
uh, going to different people's houses and and you know the it, the size ranged from probably five or six of us to to probably ten or twelve, but it was a fun a fun neighborhood activity, right? And that was in my high school years, and and certainly for me as a high school student, and with a lot of concerts and singing, but also for me, church was a very big thing. I I sang in the children's choir and then the teen choir at my church and singing Christmas services, either Christmas Eve or usually Christmas day with the children's choir. Some of my most joyful memories um, of the holidays, you know, that the special songs you'd sing or you'd sing the carols. Uh, and that continued for me into college. I sang the Sunday mass at the Newman Center at the University of Maine. And during this time of year at Advent, the different kinds of music you could bring in, the reflection pieces, um, and then getting into the songs people know by heart that they forget they know by heart till they hear them, you know, at Christmas. Um, so I'd say family and church and a lot of singing. Sounds good. So we're all choral musicians here, Frank and Dan, um, Emily sings. Um, any any real uh, stories that come out stick stick to your mind like professionally here in, in the holiday season? Yeah, Frank, why don't you go first? Well, I was just uh, talking to somebody the other day and realized that counting backwards, this is the first time in 40 years that I haven't had a million concerts in December and a church job and all sorts of things to do. So like Danny, I would travel on Christmas Day, on Thanksgiving Day. It used to be easy, now it's crowded. But this is the first sabbatical I've had since I started graduate school. And usually in December, it's so busy with concerts every weekend leading up to Christmas that you can't think about other people's concerts. This year, it's kind of crazy because everybody is doing things online. And so in addition to all the local groups of which we have multitudes in the DC area, I'm getting messages from friends around the world saying, watch my virtual concert. And I'm feeling a little overwhelmed but I know it's one way that people are trying to make that connection. Um, I think my busiest stretch was the 11 years that I was in Chanticleer when we would do somewhere mm. between 25 and 30 concerts between the day after Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve all across the country. And it really was a marathon. There was a certain joy in bringing that music to people, but it was the most exhausting thing in the Indeed. whole wide world. Indeed. And Emily, so you had this year is very odd, doing almost nothing. That just felt like a really good moment to plug the fact that next weekend, Danny and I are doing a live streamed concert called <laughs> Home for the Holidays. <laughs> you can find it at collinscenterforthearts.com uh, where Danny is the executive director and uh, it's called Home for the Holidays with Danny Williams, Emily Kane and friends who, uh, which is, Fran Vote, another uh, friend of, of Steve Greaves here on the podcast. Um, so yeah, Frank, you just teed us up perfectly that we're doing that. So you should check it out. Friday night, the 18th of December at 7 p.m. Yes. Eastern. Eastern. So Steve, you asked about, um, you know, uh, stories. I, I will tell you that as I got into college and I started singing Christmas music, I didn't know any Christmas music. So as I started singing in choirs, um, I started learning Christmas music. And I will tell you that uh, often when it came to singing Jesus or singing Jesus Christ, I would sort of mouth the words, right? Because it was just not in my tradition mm -hmm. to 
sing to Jesus or pray. But, it, it, but eventually I got to the point where I, I, sa I said, this is not a religious service. This is, we're, we're providing entertainment. This is, this is something uh, that's different. I don't have to, it, I'm not praying to Jesus when I sing Jesus's name. Um, and I will say that, uh, Steve, you, you know this, that at the University of Maine, there is a tradition of, uh, of uh, a Yuletide concert. And um, I've been participating in that for a long time. And one of the traditions is that all the choirs, um, all the directors uh, conduct a piece. And at one point, uh, all the assistant conductors did. And when I was the assistant conductor for one of the, uh, one of the chorales, I was assigned uh, Oh Holy Night. Mm. Um, and I remember rehearsing that. And at one point when, you know, when everybody thinks Christ is the Lord, right? I cued everybody and I just said, there's a big, uh, right before it, I just said, Christ. And, and the, the, uh, the director stopped every, he just, he, he thought it was very, very funny. Um, and from that point on, every time I'd say Christ is the Lord, he and I would share, it's been 25 years now that I've been conducting this piece. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he and I, uh, he and I share a special, a special moment every time Christ is the Lord comes on. But I'll tell you, it is a, uh, it is something that I now wouldn't, wouldn't trade for the world. That's my song right, uh, right. that I get to, that I can get to conduct and 200 people sing orchestra. It's, it's special. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. I'm with Frank. I mean, not to the same degree, but at South Dakota State University, I went from Thanksgiving to Christmas um, with either a magical dinner rehearsal Yuletide uh, I'm, I'm crazy. So we, we threw a little Messiah festival in there and then I have church like one, one, one year. I'm like, I'm going to do a mall on top of this. Cause I only have, you know, I have a night free. So let's do a mall the night visitors and part one of Messiah in church. So every night from the Sunday after Thanksgiving to Christmas day, I'd have something and just be exhausted at the end. Um, and actually, you know, it, it, in the sort of the Jewish tradition or the Jewish New York traditions, it's going out for Chinese food. And that's where I, I picked that up because I'm so freaking busy on New Year's Eve. There's no turkey cooking at home. There are no seven fishes. There's like, I got to get something to eat in between these five services I need to do. And the Chinese places are open. I found out the hard way in Highland Park, Illinois, when I was living in Chicago, Highland Park is a northern suburb. Um, you needed a reservation for this. This was like serious Jewish community. You couldn't just walk in. You needed a reservation for the Chinese food on New Year's Eve. And we and we get that. And it was kind of fun to a little, you know, feeling like I'm just eating. But so for some people going to the movies, again, if you're not Christian or not going to church, um, it's something else to do. Super. Okay. Now, Dan has a comment. Go ahead, Dan. Just a quick comment. Uh and this goes back to something Frank said earlier and, and to uh, dovetail on the Chinese food comment is that uh, for, your, for, your listening, uh, for your listening audience, I would highly recommend the, I guess you would call it a documentary called Dreaming of a Jewish Christmas. It is a, it is a, it is a, a produced, it was, I, I saw it on public television about the Jewish composers um, who wrote the Christmas songs and it's a it's very stylized. It's Canadian, I believe, uh, and it's very stylized. And it takes place in a, a 1950s era Chinese restaurant, um, and it is a fascinating look into the history of um, the Jewish composers who wrote all this Christmas music. 
Sure. Uh, dreaming of a Jewish Christmas. Sounds good. Not only was White Christmas written by a Jew, but it was written in the summertime. That's the other part of that story. That is right. Hanging around in L.A. in July. In yeah. The, uh, Steve Steve Torme Steve Torme is interviewed uh, on this in this documentary. So it, it really it takes a deep dive and it's fascinating. Okay. Good. I want to go back to Frank for a second. Frank, I think you answered it already, though. COVID times, you're just hanging out at home watching streaming videos. Actually, I'm not even watching streaming videos. It's interesting because I'm single and I live alone and have for years. It's This hasn't been disastrous for me the way it has been for a lot of families that are suddenly all spending all their time in the house when that was never what happened before COVID. So it's fine. Today I went outside and, and had lunch with a friend um, in the sun and the wind, and it, it seemed fine. But lots of Zoom drinking with, not lots, but occasional cocktails with friends in different parts of the country. But I'm definitely seeing a lot fewer people in person than I would in December. But it's not the end of the world for me, and I'm extremely lucky. Go, Frank. All right, you kids. Now that you're married for 17 years, okay. How did how tell me about your family, your family merged traditions, Emily and Danny? What do you Well, if you start to think our tradition at Thanksgiving is to be with Danny's family for Thanksgiving. So we go to Florida, see Danny's mom and his brothers and extended family, and then we fly back usually to Maine Friday night and have second Thanksgiving with my family on Saturday night, which is a lot of fun. So to your point earlier, Stevie, about Eat Fest, you know, kicking off for the holidays. And I think that was, you were talking about that. But then at Christmas time, you know, the first time Danny came to Kennebunk to my parents' house for Christmas, he said to me, um, you know, of course I'm looking forward to going with your family, but what am I gonna do? this is not my thing. And I was like, well, they'll be cooking and they'll be baking and we'll be hanging out and having I, cocktails. I, I and say, I usually go to the movies or I go out to dinner. Right. So what am I going to, what, what am I going to do? And I'm like, well, they'll be, it'll be, it'll be fun. We'll just be together. Right. And kind of hunker down. And Danny said, I had, I had this idea because my family, we get together. My family moved several times when I was a kid. So we didn't always live near family. So we moved to Maine. We started doing Christmas Eve with a family down the street, the Cashmans. And it started the first year my parents moved there. Uh, we would just get together with them for dinner. And so th they had daughters the same age as my two sisters. So we would get together with this other family and they're wonderful. Well, Danny enters the picture and I tell him about we're doing this going getting together with this family and he said well I was thinking what if I brought my keyboard um and I could you know play some songs because that would give me a purpose I was like that's a great idea so we roll up to my parents house with the presents in the car getting the keyboard which is of course wrapped in a blanket out of the <laughs> wrapped in swaddling clothes basically in the back of the car rolling it into the house and my parents are like, okay, how do you see this working? We're like, we don't know. If people want to sing holiday songs, we've got a book. And that was probably in the year 2001. And it has been growing strong ever since. Wow. So now it grew from two families 
with Danny and me singing a few songs, kind of taking requests to us, investing in more Christmas books, singing books, that to my mother printing lyric books so everyone could sing along, to now five families that gather on Christmas Eve, everybody eats dinner on their own, brings their desserts to my parents' house. There's plenty of wine or cocktails, usually a pitcher of Manhattans, uh, lots of snacks and hours of singing. Where wow. Danny, who see earlier conversation is not a person who celebrates Christmas, yeah. is leading this group <laughs> of people who do sing and believe in Christmas in hours of carols, including a finale every year of the 12 days of Christmas where everyone is required to participate and do choreography. Um, and everyone has had a few drinks by then. So it's very entertaining. And now there are kids involved and it's just about the most wholesome Christmas thing you could ever imagine. And it's all because Danny, the Jewish elf came to Christmas see, at I the was, Caves. Because I was bored. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, and, and you know, for somebody who, and, and it, fits right into my wheelhouse. I mean, we all know we're all choral directors, right? We love to uh, engage people in singing. And that's really what this was all about. And it gave me something to do. Yeah. I have to say that uh, even though I am a singer and a conductor, I can't think of a holiday. And nowadays I get in the car on Christmas day and drive to North Carolina and spend it with good friends there. But all the years that I've done any number of things on Christmas, I can't ever remember singing being a part of it once. Interesting. Mm. I'm, I'm done by then. I don't yeah. want to do yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just not as joyful as you, I guess, Dan. <laughs> well, I also, uh, you know, we, 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 didn't, uh, we didn't tour around the country uh, and sing, uh, you know, once a day for 35 days or whatever it was. So you've done your part. Yeah, right. Okay, so I actually um, asked people on our Facebook and podcast pages for their traditions, and I'd like to read a few and get your comments right here. Okay, you guys know Carol Snyder Folsom, Carolina. Of course, yes, from the University of, of Maine. She answered. It was a little bit about the traditions between her families. One really struck with me: her her family ripped the presents open pretty quickly, but her in laws had this thing where they have. I'll just read. The first year I spent with my husband's family felt like Christmas slow motion car crash, but a good one. There was a civilized loungy breakfast. Um, the whole time I couldn't believe no one was making for the tree to get the presents. But then there's this ritual in the present opening. The giver often tells talky tales about how the gift was purchased and where, and often tells tales of remember the time when something about the gift reminds them of something else. And just, just taking a very, very long time going through all these things. There's a lot of downtime with breaks. There are scheduled snacks and lunch breaks. Then there's dinner breaks. So the gift giving, gift opening goes on mid-afternoon, early evening. Wow. Wow. You know, I can appreciate that. At our house, we were allowed to open one present on Christmas Eve. And it was usually something my parents would sort of decide which present, because they sort of had a sense of it and would let us know. Um, and then, of course, usually my younger sisters would be up at the crack of crack, you know, sitting at the top of the stairs waiting to go down. Can we go down? Can we go down? And and our presents weren't always wrapped on Christmas. Uh, Santa didn't always wrap. They were more kind of in, in sections, Emily, Beth, Eileen. Um, but my, as Danny has learned, and Danny actually coined the phrase, I think the first year he was at our house for Christmas, is that he jokes at our house that there are rules 
when it comes to opening presents that yeah. my mom especially she likes to, it's like your turn now your turn and everyone has to give you their full attention while you open the gift so you can appreciate it so sure. i i hear you carol and i i I get it. And I think that sounds delightful. Actually. Yeah, that, that kind of struck it with me. And, you know, I'm going to ask you before we wrap up what your like main three words about the holidays are, whether it's family or for work or food. Um, but my dad liked the work. My dad liked the Christmas shift 12 to eight working for the water company. I mean, mm. that's double time. That's double time for sleeping in a truck on call, doing nothing, you know, so ka-ching. We would, but some days, he, sometimes I remember vividly, he didn't get the shift. So he's working Christmas day. Cause you know, I can be home by dinner. No problem. You know, it's like, we did not open presents till 7 PM on Christmas day on the 25th. Cause he got home. He took a shower. We had to eat first. There were no, and if you touched a present, it's like, I gave another one hour penalty. It's going to be eight o'clock now. You know, it was like, it was torture when I was little to wait. It's like, God, go to work at midnight. You know, why are you doing this? So that really, that really, that really struck home with me too. That little story. Let's see. I have one here from Peach Life. He's a choral conductor in Northfield, Minnesota at a, at a, a, it's actually Frank. I know you're interested in this. It's the only remaining boys boarding school, boys singing boarding school. I think that one in Princeton closed. I don't think he's St. Mary's or something like that. Might be St. Mary's, but he's the choral director there. My family decided about 15 years ago to start requiring homemade gifts. Yeah. <laughs> this is not always something I look forward to making, but the grand reveal is always pretty great. Homemade gifts required. Wow. That could be an utter disaster. Yeah, that sort of depends. If you have one relative who's great at knitting, then that's not fair. Um, but or if everybody is on a relatively even keel in terms of skill sets, then it could be really amusing. You can make cookies. You can craft something. But yeah, that, that throws a nice, nice into it. Corey Bortnam, she was on season one. Remember her, Dan? She's a, a speech pathologist in Philadelphia. My family would have a different person dress as Santa every year and drop by the house. From a young age, I had an idea about the Santa ruse because Santa always looked like Uncle Tom or Doc from church or even one year Aunt Mary. She had a thing about dressing up too. We were at Thanksgiving at Corey Bortnam's house and somebody dressed up, my kids were small, and um, someone dressed up as Spider-Man and, and came to, we call it Spider-Man Thanksgiving. But then Matthew noticed, why is Spider-Man wearing sneakers? <laughs> he likes big white sneakers. And then it's, you know, the facades are the fall there. Um, let's see. Pam Baker from Brooklyn, South Dakota. Very, I think this is the real spirit of Christmas here. They get together with another family, do caroling, Emily, for some church people. They deliver cookies and carols last year. Um, this year it'll be a homemade frozen meal, cookies, a small gift, maybe a short carol a good distance away. I like this next part. They pick someone they know who can use a little extra cheer and surprise them with an anonymous gift. So they drop it on the door, they ring the bell and go away. I like that. I like that little when you trick people a little bit, I, I enjoy that. That's a good tradition, no? I like that. Yeah, let's see. So many here. Um, oh, I had a couple from past guests too. I asked them to chime in as well. Let's see, well, I'm booting it up. Just give me a second. Um, oh, Dr. Common. Well, let's start here. Amanda Bumgarner from the ACDA. She's my, my boss, the Coral Journal. Um, they grew up, she grew up in downtown Chicago. She ate at Magione's Italian restaurant, going out. You know, I'm going to put an aside before I read the rest of this. 
we made my mother-in-law do Chinese on Christmas Eve. And because, uh, yeah, in Texas. And it was like, we were, we were so scared because it was like, okay, they bake cookies. But, you know, a lot of these Christmas traditions is like the wife does everything. And, you know, oh, mom loves to cook, doesn't she? She loves to cook for 25 people on Christmas. She couldn't do, she really liked not cooking. I'm going, you know, we were so worried because it's not her favorite food. She doesn't love Chinese food, but it's Texas. So it's not what it's whatever. And she was like, this is great. This was great. I didn't have to do anything. I don't have to clean any dishes, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. We sometimes forget who, who, who runs these holidays and who sacrifices things and whether or not they do it by choice or not. But uh, Amanda Bumgarner likes to go to Maggiano's in uh, Chicago walk through the zoo lights at the Lincoln Park Zoo. I did that many a time there, Amanda. She moved to Texas. They still go to Maggiano's on Christmas Eve. They order pasta and salad, carry out. My siblings and I get together at my parents' house to eat and do a gift exchange. They draw names at Thanksgiving. It was special to be able to transfer part of our Chicagoland tradition to Texas. I got a couple more here. Aaron Ragsdale, Aaron and Ashley Ragsdale were on talking about their COVID lives. She has a couple of things. Oh, with the kids, 12 days of Christmas works like this. Every even day between December 2nd and 22nd, the kids get a book. They use their Santa sacks as storage. So they pull the book out each day. On the 24th, they get their Christmas pajamas. That's nice. I love that. Yeah. Normal year, we go to Christmas Eve service, come home, put the pajamas on, hot chocolate, drive around, look at lights. That's always popular. Read the night before Christmas and call it a day. And they're not going to do church this year in person. Christmas Eve dinner is almost always homemade soft pretzels. That's Ashley Ragsdale's tradition in her wow. family. Making Those soft. are a lot of work. So I could see doing that once a year. Yeah. Yeah. I remember on the Great British Baking Show, which I never watched, but last year at Christmas, my the friends I spent Christmas with normally were watching all of a certain season. And one of the challenges was to make pretzels and not a single person knew the shape of a pretzel so uh -huh. the results were hilarious <laughs> all right dean green ray green from texas a&m commerce i'm not sure this is unique or interesting each year i gather the children and read twas the night before christmas from a book that i had as a child now that they are in high school and college they merely put up with this so my family i have to jump in on this one no, is uh my mom, my mom's family, and my mom was born in, from New Orleans. And so we have a beautiful book called The Cajun Night Before Christmas. And as I mentioned, we do Christmas Eve with this other family. And so on the years we are at my parents' house, my mom does a sort of ceremonial reading of The Cajun Night Before Christmas in a Cajun accent. And that's how the book is written. And it, it has alligators instead of reindeer and they're in the bayou. And it's a beautiful book. I highly recommend um, people check it out. And then when we go to the other family's house, we do the normal, uh, towards the night before Christmas. And it's, it's a fun, we all get into it. You know, we know it's coming, but you also, it, it's once a year, you know, you get to have that kind of story time as an adult. It's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. Last one here is from my, my mentor and friend from CU Boulder, Joan Conlon. She describes a little bit of the, of the Italian Catholic tradition. La Vigilia. Need my reading glasses. Each late Christmas Eve, an Italian Catholic home will hold 
La Vigilia, the vigil, a tradition that symbolizes the vigil with Mary as she prepares to give birth to the Christ child. La Vigilia is a meal consisting entirely of fish and seafood. I knew this as the seven fishes, but especially bacala, which is salted cod prepared with the tomato sauce, garlic, etc. Also deep fried smelt along with other fish dishes and pasta served with tomato sauce made with fish. After La, Vigili, La Vigilia, everyone was to go to midnight mass. Indeed, it never includes meat. Thus, it is a fasting meal and allows the person to accept the communion wafer at mass. My immediate family did not observe this tradition completely, but my aunt did. La Vigilia. All right. So as we put a little bow on this <laughs> conversation, thank you. What is it to you? What's the most important thing about the holiday? Whether how you grew up or how you you know live your life. For me, I mean, growing up, it's work. I'll, and I'll, although my dad was a plumber working, I'm a coral conductor working. It, I mean, I associate this with work. It was not a big stretch not to be home at Christmas Eve or not to be with everybody. And that, that was not like this transition I needed to make because a lot of the time we weren't all together, or we didn't all, uh, and we didn't do all these things together because someone was at work. Number two for me is food. So I like La Vigilia. I mean, it's great to have people to eat it this year, Thanksgiving. I mean, I, I wish I could have vacuum sealed these things we made here at this house because they were absolutely delicious, but four people ate them and we didn't seem, I was like, oh, wow. I said, rather than being upset, I can't, I can't imagine having to do this for 20 people. I can't imagine having to do this for eight people. You know, we, we took our time, we ate when we wanted, but it's probably food first here. We've always lived far apart. Family, we, we like to go see people, probably second or third. Work, second or third. But food first in the Greaves household. How about you, Frank? What, what comes first? Uh, I'm with you, I think. It's work. Um, even though I was raised in a Jewish household, I started working uh, in choral music at a fairly early age. And so it was always about lots of concerts, whether I was singing or conducting. Um, food was never a big deal. My mother would make the obligatory latkes one night, but she worked full time and didn't want to mess with it either. Um, and in terms of family, I was born in Los Angeles. Her huge family lived in Brooklyn and the surrounds. And so it wasn't a time of gathering either. So there was always a tinge of loneliness by the time it got to Christmas day, but I would usually sing the Christmas morning service and then travel to wherever I was going. Yeah. So for me, it's about friends and work. And food is always a tradition, but I don't need a holiday to eat. And I've never been big on traditional holiday meals. Mm. So I spend Christmas in a household with vegetarian and a vegan, and there's nothing traditional about it, but it's about the people, not about what we eat. Oh, how about that? One time, I think it was in Highland Park again, we actually brought Madeline and Matt, we got robes for Madeline and Matthew and they sang Midnight Mass because of like, um, rather than, because we wanted to be together on Christmas. So, well, this is the way to do it because your mother's singing, I'm conducting the choir, slap a robe on <laughs> and sing the melody because here we go, we got pictures. I mean, they're exhausted. Um, I don't, I mean, we might've done the 10 o'clock or the nine o'clock and then got the Chinese food and tried to cart. I mean, I, feel, I think they both fell asleep in the pew with their robes on, but um, we tried. Danny? them. Did it give them an appreciation for what you do every year? Um, I think a little bit, yeah. I think a little bit, a little bit. I, Danny, Emily? For me, I guess it comes down to a version 
of work. You know, running a performing arts center this time of year is incredibly busy. Um, but uh, I, I would say for me, it is, it's singing. When I think about the holidays, I think about singing, especially for, for, for Christmas. I never sang in a choir until I got to college. So the whole, um, the, the, the whole thing about the, the connection between music, particularly choral music and, uh, and the holidays, I never really made that connection until I started singing. And so for me, uh, numero uno, there, I don't think there is a close second. When I think about the holidays, what I connect to is music, uh, singing, and now conducting, and, and I guess uh, by extension now, um, sort of the broader entertainment uh, uh, around the holidays. Uh, that, that's sort of what, if somebody asks me what the holidays are about that, to me, that's what that, that is now. And I should say, the, uh, the, the having married into the tradition, um, th that all transfer, translates and transfers over to, my, uh, to what we've been doing for the last 20 years uh, with Emily's family. Which you definitely have come to look forward to. Yes, I have. Yeah. I'm glad this is not a visual podcast. No, that's true. It, it, <laughs> For real. Cue the I just before Emily goes, I I I want to add here that Danny doesn't drink. So not only is he leading the thing, he's leading the thing while people are getting drunk, which is even funner, right? Hanging around sober in front of all these sort of loaded people. That's got to be a little level of that. With that, that's really fun for you, huh, Dan? Well, you know, because I don't drink, I don't know what it's like. Right, I, being the only sober, I'm, all, I'm always the only sober one, so it's it, it's fine, and it really it it's a it's a way to uh, let people uh, have fun and uh, and uh, eat, drink, and be merry. Right, that's that's right. Okay, Emily, you're up. I, I will say for me, it's probably more of the on the traditional side at the holidays. Right, for me, it's family. It's definitely the togetherness, the food, the the sort of seeing people who are all home, catching up with with friends and family, even you know, even that when we don't live near friends and family pre-Zoom, still the 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 calls on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, how was your Christmas? You know, how are your parents? How's your family? Um, and, and definitely music, you know, sort of the family, food, and music, um, but the togetherness of all of it and how it all weaves together for me. And being with my family is, is just, that's exactly where I want to be, right? And that's exactly what I think of when I think of Christmas, um, is all of those things and those people together. And in, in the odd, odd year that actually, I'm the only one I think that's been home consecutively at Christmas forever, but I don't, I've never missed one. My sisters have uh, at least once or twice each been living someplace else and not been able to come home for the holidays. Um, it, it's always better when we're all together. And that, that's exactly where I want to be. You like the Hallmark movies, Emily. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think of my life that way, but I think at the holidays, you know, that's exactly what I want. I was just actually reading an article um, in the paper about how this year there are more holiday movies than ever and yeah. how people are just, just devouring them. Because again, like I said at the very beginning, you know, we're all craving something to look forward to. We're craving togetherness we're craving those those things we can't have right now um you know our our caroling that we told you about our you know christmas eve singing is is not going to happen this year it's the first time in nearly 20 years that those families will not gather on christmas eve and there's a sadness in that 
but we really want to be able to gather next year in full force. And so we skip this year and it will be worth it and we'll be twice as jolly and even more prepared for the singing next year. Yeah, Dan, we're, we're wrapping uh, up here. Final thought. I, I, I will say this. I have uh, one final thought, though, after you. So I'm just telling the okay. viewers because we do the final thought thing, then we talk for 15 minutes. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I, I will say this, that, um, uh, and we've, we've each alluded to this in our, in our own way, but what I have, one of the things that was most eye-opening to me as I, as I came into specifically the Christmas, you know, a full body Christmas experience is the logistics surrounding, you know, everything is planned out and the cookies and the, I mean, you name it, there's a plan, there's, I mean, there are a million moving parts when it comes to Christmas. Um, and I will say that all, all of that machinery has kind of shut down. And, and, and I will say, again, by extension, the logistics, and we all know about planning concerts and, and, what, and what goes into uh, the planning and the execution. And you have to, you, you multiply that by six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times by the time you get to it, it's like, my God, if I have to do another one of these things, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scream. I can't tell you what I would give right now uh, to be uh, with one of my uh, groups caroling through a nursing home right now. Right, right. Uh, I mean, not right now, <laughs> and especially in a nursing home, but you, you, if you know what I mean. I, if I would, you could safely. <laughs> I would give anything to do it right now. So I think one of the, when we do come out of this on the other side, I think I will have a different perspective and I will not, take for granted what it is that we do and what it is that we can provide for people for granted again. Super. Frank, as always, it's nice to see you. You too. Danny, appreciate your, 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 your enduring friendship all, all this, all these years. And Emily, you were the star today. Really. <laughs> Stevie, it's a pleasure You've to been, be on you, the podcast talk, with the fine group. You talk in front of people for a living. You, you do this very well-spoken articulate you did well dan thank you you did well really well good all right happy holidays plural everybody <laughs>